and welcome to Run With Horses, the marriage edition. Today we're looking at humility. How are you today, Susan? I'm doing wonderfully, thank you. Awesome. And it's also awesome that Susan brought a dictionary because we're going to look up humility since the last time we did not have a dictionary and just kind of um, made it up as we went along. We try not to do that this time. So how does the dictionary define humility? The quality or state of being humble. So I had to look up humble, which had several definitions marked by modesty or meekness, respectfully deferential, lowly and unpretentious to lower in status or condition. Okay, good. And I think uh, most of us would agree pretty readily that pride is the opposite of humility or one of the opposites of humility, and that's lifting oneself up. Um, conceit, we did look up that briefly and said excessive self-esteem. So um, we're talking about the opposite of that. And we think about humility. One of the first things always that I think about is uh, Jesus and Philippians. That was one of his chief characteristics in coming to the earth and being uh, an example for us. So I think um, just from that, that standpoint alone, humility is important for us to examine. Yes. Interestingly enough, I didn't ask Susan what the word was for today until today. But this past week in my Bible study and journaling, I've, I've started journaling. is not something I've done in years, but I've been... A journaling for several weeks now, and I had three verses this week that mm. talked about humility. So maybe I wasn't ready for today, but God was working. So uh, Daniel four thirty seven talks about uh, Nebuchadnezzar, and this is after he was humbled by God and had his time out in the wilderness and was brought back. And he said God humbled him, and God can humble anyone who is proud, and it is right that He does that. Mm. Um, and this is a king who didn't necessarily follow God. I mean, he was aware of God, but if he was willing to acknowledge and recognize that God was right to humble him and that he needed that humble spirit, how much more are we? And then uh, the next day was Mark nine thirty-five, and this is where Jesus sat down with the disciples and told him, whoever wants to be first is last. You need to be the servant of all. Mm -hmm. um, I was thinking after that, you know, how hard it is for us just to set aside our pride and to joyfully serve others. You know, selfishness reigns, and my spiritual life suffers as I'm uh, selfish. And then the last one, a few days later, was from Micah 6, 8. You know, God has told us what He requires of us, uh, to do justice, to love mercy, and to live humbly with our God, so that God hasn't hidden our His expectations for us to be humble. It's very clear throughout Scripture, and, and uh, how much more so in that relationship of uh, the marriage with our, our spouse, someone we live in day in and day out, and we have lots and lots of opportunities to offend and to uh, do harm to, uh, to walk humbly uh, with God, and then to allow that humility to mark that relationship uh, is even more, um, maybe important than a lot of other relationships that we have. So you had a quote from Edwards, I believe. Jonathan Edwards. Yes, he said that pride is the greatest disturber of the soul's peace, which I thought was very interesting. But I could see, yeah, I could agree with that. Because when pride gets in the way, then it's not only disturbs your peace because you think, hey, people aren't treating me the way I deserve, but it disturbs the people around you too. Yeah, and particularly your wife or, or husband. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
we have five points looking at humility in the context of the marriage. What's the first one? Well, these are maybe sort of pitfalls that I think uh, that we fall into very easily. One is that we have our own agenda and we're thinking about this is what I have to do, this is what I am doing today and what my goals are and you're in my way or you're not coming along in my agenda. So it's um, that kind of focus where it's all self-focused is a pitfall that would keep us from being humble. Yeah, I think a lot of times, and this is probably even more so for men than for women, where uh, men tend to be goal-oriented and have a, a job to do and something that they've planned for the day. And then everyone else around them either is helping them in that or they're hindering them in that. So there's not a lot of humility in the way that they approach other people when they're trying to get their job done. Uh, and it is ultimately that selfish heart that does that and a lack of humility and recognize that your um, your goals, your values, what you're doing today is equal to or greater than mine and to give value to your, your spouse and what they hope to accomplish today and what they're doing and what they're thinking. And sometimes I think particularly for men, it's difficult to see that because Obviously, what you're doing is important and more important than what anybody else is doing. Right. Another pitfall, um, I suppose it depends on the person's personality, but um, like some people will fall into self-pity if things aren't the way that they feel like it should be, like either between the husband and wife or the living situation or just anything. Um, some people will fall into self-pity. Maybe others might turn to anger or attacking or some other things. But um, when you have those kind of reactions, I think it's uh, helpful to look back at what's the source of this? Why am I upset? Why? What am I bothered by? And a lot of times, I think it will trail back to pride or um, a focus on, again, what you want to do or what you want to get. And maybe you're disappointed in something and you focus inward and react in a bad way. As I was thinking too, you know, if your spouse doesn't do what your preferences are, I mean, it's okay to talk about them with your spouse and um, say, hey, you know, I'd really like it if you did this, or I don't like it when you do that. And that's okay to verbalize those things. But then sometimes we go a step further and say, you have to do, or you expect the other person to fulfill your preferences. And I mean, maybe the other person will, but maybe that's not what they're, you know, comfortable doing, or it's a goes against what the way they are. And we shouldn't try to force that on them. So, and again, that's if you're humble, you're not going to be forcing your preferences on other people. And I think part of that listening to you describe that that point, not having humility, having the pride in that relationship, I, I want things to go my way, often can mean that we're looking for our joy and contentment in the other person, and then we're, um, we're we are tempted into self-pity or these other problems because we're not getting our joy from God. He is not the one that's fulfilling us, mm -hmm. and our pride is hurt when our spouse doesn't respond the way that we wanted them to. Mm -hmm. The goal really is to have that God-first mentality and focus in our life so that our humility really comes from we know our place before God 
which allows us to take our right place in the marriage. And we gain our, gain our, our joy and contentment uh, from God, which allows us then to serve our, our spouse. And I'm not sure if this is exactly uh, meshing with your point, but I know I've heard the quote, um, if you want to know if you're a servant or not, you know, test or ask yourself how you respond when someone treats you like one. You know, mm-hmm. when we're treated like a servant, often people get upset and kind of offended. Why, why are you expecting me to do this menial task? Um, well, where if we have a servant's heart and we recognize that uh, it is our role to serve, you're not offended by that. I am here to serve. And I think in the in the marriage, the idea of the humility is that we we both should be bringing in that goal to serve. And then um, you're not tempted to pride and, and being hurt when you're asked to serve. Uh you hope in the marriage you're not, uh, no one's taking advantage of the other. You're both, the goal is to glorify God and to serve Him primarily. But to have that heart of a servant really does uh, fit into this idea of humility, I think. Yeah, and that kind of uh, leads to a third pitfall that I see um, the practice of demanding your rights. It's kind of similar to what I just said, but this is more like not preferences now. These are my rights. And I think in today's world, you know, we hear that the world just tells you, tells us, hey, you deserve this, or you need to stand up for yourself and fight for your rights. You're entitled to this and blah, blah, blah. And you know, there's those voices, and even Christian friends and family could be encouraging you in this way as well. But what what do we fall back on? And I think you touched on that, like who we are in Christ, and what does God expect from us, and, um, you know, who we are in Him should be satisfying enough to us. We don't have to look to other people to fulfill our needs or our desires because nobody can really satisfy us except for God. So we can, you know, tell God, hey, I feel like I need this, but then leave it in his hands, and he's promised to provide for all of our needs. And he is the place that we need to look for fulfillment of our needs. If you're looking to your your spouse to fulfill your uh, your needs and you're not content, you don't have joy, um, your spouse can't do that. Um Certainly, there are places where they should be the vehicle that God uses in some respects, but you're really ideally looking to God first for that joy and contentment. Um, And I think we do come into every relationship, but particularly a marriage relationship, with expectations that we shouldn't have. And that idea of, uh, you, I expect that you're going to be this kind of husband or this kind of wife, or uh, I was expecting we would do this at holidays or you know there's, right. there's just a load of expectations that come in and they're partly based on your family and what your family did and how your parents interacted with each other and how they made decisions uh, how they disciplined the kids all those things bring in expectations to how you assume that it's going to be done but they also come from maybe books you've read or your peer group if you're part of a group that is getting married and they're working out their relationships, well, everyone has the two families and they're trying to mess them together and they're talking about these things. Well, my friends are doing it this way, so uh, probably we'll do it this way too. And you bring in those expectations without actually having taken the time to communicate, and it can be a train wreck, uh, particularly if if you're not humble and recognize that there's more than one way to do things that would work out. And that's part of the truth that we don't often want to acknowledge that my way might work 
even probably would work. might even be the best, but it's not the only way. And we come into the marriage to say that uh, my way's the best and the only way. Well, we've, we're hurting the relationship, and we can come in and say, um, I'm happy to do it your way because it's not, we're not look, necessarily looking for the best or the only way. We're looking for our way. How are we going to go forward? How are we going to communicate? How are we going to raise our children in the context that we have? And that's not going to be the same as everyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, there are biblical foundations that we build on, but as long as we're looking to God together and pursuing Him, and we're humbly looking to build up each other, um, we're not necessarily going to come up with the solution that other people do. But in humility, putting God first, we come up with a solution that uh, glorifies Him and draws us closer together. A fourth pitfall that um, I think we can see in the Bible is the idea of seeing your own sinfulness, your own weakness, before you start looking at anybody else. Um, I read a the book on humility by C.J. Mahoney, who said uh, that humility is honestly assessing ourselves in light of God's holiness and our sinfulness. And like Jesus said, you know, don't be looking around at the little speck in somebody else's eye until you've got to take care of that beam that's in your own eye. And pride says, I'm better than you. Humility says, I'm just as much a sinner as you are. Pride says, I would never sin like that. But humility says, hey, God saved me from my sin just the same way that he's saved you from yours. And I think that coming, approaching the other person, realizing, hey, I have sins, I have flaws, I'm not perfect, and neither is my spouse, is very important. And it really gives you a good base for trying to deal with problems, because there may be problems, and I mean, there are going to be problems, and there are going to be sins, and we will sin against each other, but before we're too quick to point out somebody else's sin, we should really, you know, like the little kids uh, thing, like when you're pointing at somebody, you've got three fingers pointing back at yourself. And we have to take a good, honest look at who we are and how God sees us first. Yeah, that's very true. And it's often the hard, hard thing to do is to to honestly look at yourself and see that I have uh, major issues that I need to give to God or to work on. Um, and the Bible does tell us in the New Testament that we should consider others better than ourselves. And mm-hmm. I think that doesn't mesh with pride at all. There's no way to live that out in a relationship uh, if you're coming in it with pride and looking to point out the other person's flaws and ignore your own. That is one of the hard things, to be honest with ourselves that we have areas where we're not how we should be, or not how we could be, not how God wants us to be, or to acknowledge that problems in our life, whether it's in our job or our marriage or other relationships or just issues in life that often stem from our selfishness, our Mm -hmm. sin. Um, They come from our heart's desires being followed instead of putting God first. Then the last pitfall that we'll talk about today um, is, I don't know, to to summarize it, maybe just being defensive or to realize like we don't always have to be right or prove ourselves or you know 
we, when we will stand or fall before our master, and so will our spouse, and God is able to make us stand. But if we just please God first, then that's what's most important, and we don't have to always, you know, second-guess our motives or the other person's motives, and we don't always have to correct the other person, but God can do that, and it's kind of that idea. I'm not sure if that's well put yeah, together. Yeah, I think some personality types have a hard time with that. I know occasionally we'll both focus on the same tiny little detail that's not important at all, but we're both adamant that we're right, and it really doesn't matter. It's some stupid thing. Uh, But I think a lot of problems in marriages start with things like that, and then it elevates to things that actually are important, and you haven't learned how to set aside some smaller ones or to actually communicate um, over the important ones. So I think there's a combination there where there are things that are important enough where you you do need to spend the time and work through it. Uh, and then you work through it humbly, considering the other person as better than yourself, looking to God for guidance and for your contentment and all those things as you work through it. But there's also, as you're saying, there's that time to recognize this is not important. And I may feel that you're wrong. You may feel that I'm wrong. It doesn't matter. You know, it really doesn't matter if that color is chartreuse or, what you know, a different name. I'm not even sure what chartreuse is. <laughs> Bad example, but I know that has been one of the things that we've has come up where I, it's just the colors are, uh, they have weird names sometimes. Um, but that doesn't matter. And it doesn't matter if it matches. You know, that looks fine. It looks terrible. Who cares? You know, it's like, it's not, it's not embarrassingly bad, but okay. <laughs> Um, if it's not about the kids playing in the street or something that actually has potential for harm, uh, the ability to say, I'm, I'm okay uh, I'm okay being wrong, and I'm okay with you being wrong, because every issue is not important. And that is, it takes humility to recognize that I'm okay, that I might be wrong on this, and to acknowledge that um, and put the relationship in front of being correct. Yeah, humility is a big topic because it does go far beyond just any given relationship. It really hinges upon a relationship with God. You know, we want to stand before God on our own two feet, and we cannot. You know, we have to stand on Christ. And I think the older I get, the more I recognize that there's so many relationships that I've had or opportunities or responsibilities that I've had in the past where when I was younger, I either felt like I could do or that my opinion really was important or valid or should be heard, whereas I getting, get older, I realize this life is short. Most of the decisions that we make in ministry in our life don't reflect anything to do with eternity, which immediately removes a great deal of the uh, importance from that decision. And I recognize that the eternal decisions, the eternal Places where eternal value must be recognized, God has clearly stated those. He's told me how to respond and how to work on relationships and how important they are, even to the point of leaving the sacrifice at the altar to go and reconcile with the brother. That's how important um, relationships are in God's eyes. Uh, And humility is a big, big part of that. And pride definitely destroys many, many marriages and other relationships as well. So... Uh, any last thoughts on humility? Well, I'm not. I'm guessing this sort of relates, but my verses were talked more about 
you know, looking to the other person to fulfill your needs or like feeling like you have to demand your rights. And um, Psalm 37, 4 tells us to delight ourselves in the Lord and he will give us the desires of our heart. And James 4 talks about how we have not because we don't ask. And when we do ask, we have the wrong motives and Matthew 6, 31, 33 talks about, you know, don't be anxious about things. God knows what you need and just put him first and he will provide for those needs. Philippians 4, 19, he will provide out of his riches and glory. And, you know, we don't have to force our way or our agenda or just um, be trusting in God to meet our needs and to satisfy us. And we can do that humbly instead of proud and pushing yeah it's not good to bulldoze your way through your marriage it's probably not going to work out for you no matter who you are (laughs) all right well this week uh, if you're married uh, it's a good time to consider your relationship with your husband with your wife and uh, humbly approach and ask how you can work on your your relationship humbly consider your spouse's good points and how you can encourage and and lift them up, and also together look toward God and lift Him up in our life, in our marriage. Have a great week.